on, just stand on up. Within 
thankful for God's love. I am, I know, because his love is never failing, never ending, and it's overflowing. Love 
trust you today, almighty God. We trust you today, almighty God, and we stretch forth our hands to you. 
Hallelujah. Come on and stretch your hand toward the hand of God. Hallelujah. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. There's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too hard for God. Yeah. He is able. He is able. Just trust him today. Put your hope in him today. Trust in Him. Come on, somebody. Trust in Him. Yeah, yeah. We trust in you, Lord. We trust in you, Lord. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Do you know if you just pressed a little bit more with your worship, you might really have an encounter with God today. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, you're, you're so close. Why not just press through? Just press through today. Let's run after God today. Grab hold of Him. Let Him grab hold of us. He's the same God. Come on, somebody, say the same God. Mm. Same God, same love, same ability, same power, and he's working it out. I like this. God is working it out. Why do we go through some of what we go through? I, I don't have that answer, but I know for myself when I look back and when I see the hand of God leading me, I have aha moments, you know. How many's had an aha moment? You go, oh, I, I see now. Aha, you know. God didn't leave me. He didn't check out on me. He was with me. And he was working it out, Al. My God. Come on and just thank him right now. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, oh, I bless you, God. I bless you, God. Mm. <laughs> so just rest in his hands today. The hands that formed the heavens and the earth. The hands that placed the stars. Hallelujah. It's the same God. Somebody say the same God. Mm. Those same hands with the same love and the same power. Press in today. Come on, press in today. Press into God. Press into His presence today. Hallelujah. We worship you today, God. We lift our voice in praise. We lift our voice in worship. There's nobody like you, God. Nobody like you, God. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. Come on, lift up a spontaneous song in the house of God today. Hallelujah, you've always been there. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Hallelujah, I can depend on you. I can trust in you. No matter what I face, you're still God. You're still God.
Love, I want you to lead this out. What a powerful song for us today. Same power. Timo, help us. God's about to do something incredible in this room. How many believe that? Did anybody come expecting from God today? encouraged today because he's the same God with the same power, the same love. If you need prayer today, I want to invite you to come. Our elders and our pastors will be here to pray with you. Come expecting for your prayer to be answered because he's the same God. You've prayed to him before, and he's heard you, and he's answered you. Come with faith today and dare to believe that God will meet you right where you are. Come now. Come now.
loves us. He loves you. Please hear this. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. God loves you. Jesus loves you. 
I hope, I hope it's not cliche. I hope you haven't heard it so much that it just bounced off of you. I'm, I'm telling you, God loves you. God loves you. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay the way we are. That's why we take time to pray. It might make some people a little bit nervous because all kinds of stuff happens at the altar. Sometimes the power of God is so strong on a person, they can't even stand up anymore, and they end up on their backside. I'm just telling you. We're not pushing people down. If you see somebody fall, we didn't push them down. We had a young lady in our first service completely bound by the enemy. And I, it took nearly an hour, I think. We had, to, we had to take her to another room to just pray her through. The Bible says that Jesus went from town to town to town to town. And what did he do? He healed the sick. And what else did he do? He raised the dead. He cast out demons. Now, I'm not going and looking for demons, all right? And I'm not going to have some ongoing conversation with the devil or with the demons. I'd rather talk to Jesus. Come on, somebody. But let me tell you something. We're fools if we don't recognize that there is demonic activity in the world today. And people get bound by the enemy. And where are they going to be free? Where is this going to happen? Well, I hope it happens in the house of God. Even at the risk of making some nervous people come in here and they've got issues and they need to be free what's your name Josie Jesus frees you today lift up your hands Jesus frees you today your mentality is shifting today your thinking is being altered today and you're being loosed and freed by the power of Jesus. I don't want people to stay bound. I don't want people to stay limited. There's folks in this room right now, you're battling with depression. I want you to come immediately. Come now. Come now. Don't delay on this. You're battling negative thoughts, depression. You're being free right now. Come on, lift up your hands. That's right. My God, it's happening. It's happening right. That's, a, that's the power of God setting on you. Nobody's even touching you. Don't touch him. I'm telling you, God's touching him right now. I'll tell you in a moment. We're going to lay hands on him. But for right now, it's God's hand that's coming on you right now. If you're battling with depression or negative thoughts, even a spirit of suicide, it's being broken today. 
Stand in for your granddaughter. Stand in for her right now. My God. God is greater. Come on, somebody. God is greater. God is greater. We're going to come and just agree with you in a moment. We're just going to touch and agree. You see, the Bible says we could lay hands on the sick and they would recover. It's more than just, I broke my leg and I'm sick. It's more than just, the doctor told me I have cancer and I'm sick. There's a lot of sickness going on in our, in our heads. So proud of you, sis. You're going to rescue so many people, Joy. God's going to use you to rescue so many people that have hurt just like you have hurt. My God. Lift your hands if you've come forward for prayer. Just cup your hands to heaven. It's your day. It's your day. We thank you, Lord, for freeing us, Lord. And let all depressive pastors help me just go through and agree in prayer. Touch and, and agree. We thank you, Lord, that oppressive thoughts, depression is leaving, a, a, an ongoing negativity in your thinking. That, that cycle is being broken today, ma'am. You're going to begin to think about the right things, the good things that God has for you, the future that God has for you, the hope that God has for you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Don't spectate. Participate. Help me pray today. Somebody help me pray today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus.
<laughs> Come on, everybody, clap your hands today and give God praise. His love never fails. He's the same God. Come on, high-five somebody. High-five three people and tell them he's the same God. Woo! He's the same God, Claudia. Mm, he's the same God, Pimo. Hallelujah. You make all things. You make all things work together for my good. I want you to see the hand of God right now. See that. You make all things work together for my good. So powerful. God's in control. God's in control. I, I, you need to hear this. You need to know this. God is in control. Amen. Glad you came. Really glad you came. Hallelujah. Anybody here for the first time? We have any guests with us today? There's a few over here. I met a couple over here. It's really great. Honestly, let me just say how happy that we are that you've come by. I don't know why you're here. I don't know if you just came because you were invited. I, you know, but I know God sent you here for today. That much I have confidence in. So I pray that you would receive what God sent you here to receive. I'd like to know how you found us. If you don't mind, tucked on the back side of the chair or a chair near you, there is a card. It's called a connection card. I would like all of our first-time guests to fill that out and then drop it by our welcome center on your way out. They're going to give you a gift from the bald man, all right? So you tell them the bald man sent you back there. But it's good to have you today. Would you help me welcome our guest one more time? God bless you. Amen. Philippians 4.13, so powerful. Some already know where I'm going. You already know. You, you did your, your Sunday school lesson, and you know Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> wow. There's so many things that I think I can't do, like finish a master's degree at the age of 51. I'm, I finished my dissertation last week. I couldn't believe I did that. But let me tell you something. I couldn't have done it on my own and in my own ability and in my own strength. But I'm learning as I go that I can do anything. I can do everything. I can do all things as long as it's through Christ who will give me the strength to do it. Some people say, Pastor, I, I can't afford to give. Well, yes, you can, because the Bible says you can do anything. You can do everything. You can do all things, including being obedient in the area of your finances. It will be a stretch for some. I understand that. But I want you blessed, and I know one way that you can be blessed. It's by faithfully and obediently giving to God. 
don't use what is God's to pay your light bill. Give to God what belongs to God. You can do this. I know you can do this. The Bible tells us we can do this. Would you say this with me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it one more time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ushers, come if you would. If you're giving today and you would like giving credit, there are envelopes tucked on the back side of the, of the chairs. Just utilize those and fill those out. All checks should be made payable to LPCC. And you can give online, lpcc.org, and follow the promptings for giving right there. Amen. Rovi, come on and bring us a good prayer and ask God's blessing on us today. Amen. Thank you, ushers. Uh, let me just highlight a few things that are on the horizon. Um, for instance, next Sunday we have a water baptism. Uh, if you've not been baptized since you have decided to follow Christ, you should be baptized. That is in compliance with the, the Word of God. And um, we have a baptism scheduled for next week. We were going to have a meeting but um, all the pastors were busy praying with this young lady who really needed prayer. And so we didn't get the meeting in, I don't think, did we, Pastor Dave? So um, just if you could meet immediately following this service today, and Pastor Dave is going to give you direction on, on when he would meet with you in the future. Is that okay? So you can meet with Pastor Dave right in this area immediately following the service. But we want you to be baptized. Amen. And it would be our thrill. Karen and I, it would be our thrill to get in the tank with you and just uh, enjoy this moment of God's presence as you testify to everybody of, of what God has done. Also, our annual celebration, our annual business meeting is on the horizon. That is March 11th. Mark your calendar. I need you here. I especially need all voting members that night. We will be conducting some business that will require some votes. I need you here. But I would like to invite everyone, really, that calls La Palma Christian Center your home, and you're welcome to come. You just will not have the privilege of voting until you come through our membership class. But please mark your calendar. I would like you to bring dessert, enough for your family, and maybe two more. And if everybody would do that, we will have more dessert than we could eat that night. That's at 6 o'clock, and then the meeting will start at 7 o'clock, March 11th. Men's ministry and women's ministry is on the horizon. That is next Sunday night, March 1st at 6 p.m. I think Chris Sandoval will be sharing on the men's side, and Dina Crone has some exciting things planned on the ladies' side. Dinner will be provided for a nominal $5 donation, so please sign up for that in the foyer today. And I want you to know that you can actually just stay right here today for lunch. All right, Pastor Creighton and the young adults are doing a fundraiser, and there is a soup competition, a soup off, I think they've called it. I like this, and he wants everyone 
to come. This isn't just for the young adults. They're just trying to raise some money. So for $5 today, you can have all the soup you want. In fact, you'll have cup after cup after cup after cup because we want you to vote on your favorite. And the winner will receive four tickets to Disneyland. Four tickets, really? Wow. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't make soup today. But please come. You've got to eat anyway. We might as well support Pastor Creighton, and maybe you'll get tickets to Disneyland. I want to take just a moment to give God thanks for one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me outside of salvation, and that's the gift of my wife, Karen. Her birthday is on the horizon, and we want to just sing happy birthday to my wife. Oh, come on. No, you can lead the song. That's fine. <laughs> Put him on the song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Karen. Happy birthday to you. He's got to come up here. I know. <laughs> got to steal the stage even today. Karen, from uh, the board and the whole church, we want to just wish you happy birthday. We got you a little present and some flowers. Happy birthday, Karen. My beautiful bride, she's, she's got one more year before she crosses Chile, Jordan. She's turning 49 on Wednesday, and she's going to make the most of 49. I, I know that. Karen, drop those flowers off because I need you back in here, sweetheart. I love what's going on here, I must, I must tell you. I love what God is doing at La Palma Christian Center. You do know he's here. You do know he's showing up every week full of grace and mercy and healing. And it's amazing to me what God is doing. Today we want to celebrate some families who understand the importance of dedicating their children to the Lord. And so I want to invite Jacob, Victorious, Elizabeth, and Ezra to come and bring all of your family, your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, whoever might be here with you, I want to invite all of the families now to come for our baby dedication. Oh, yes. So wonderful. That's right. You can put your hands together. We have three families today. Three families. Hi, Ezra. How you doing, bud? You looking good. Hi, buddy. Your grandma's boy. Mm -hmm. He said, uh-huh. Let me just say welcome to all the families. Many of you uh, have other churches that you attend. I understand. Uh, we're just happy to have you here today. And we were thrilled to be able to celebrate you on such a day as today. We have our pastors here that are going to uh, help me today. I, could, I couldn't do all this on my own. You know what I mean? 
So pastors, I want you to um, pick a family. Yes, thank you. Jamie, would you join your husband, please? Mom and Dad, let me have your attention just for a moment. Do you know how valuable this gift that you're holding? Do you really, do you understand how precious the child that is in your arms, they are God's gift to you. Amen? And God is trusting you and not you only. He's trusting those who stand with you as witness. But let me tell you something, family, extended family. You also have a very important part to play. There will be all sorts of voices that come along as they grow. There will be temptations that come their way. Who's going to stand guard if not you? Who's going to pray over them if not you? I charge you today to do all that is within you with the help of Almighty God to make sure your child stays connected to Him. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Then it says something significant in verse number 7. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Powerful. Parents, family, in presenting your children to the Lord today, you enter into a solemn relationship with God who keeps covenant to a thousand generations. Believing that Jacob, Victorious, Elizabeth, and Ezra are gifts from God and that he shall hold you accountable for them, do you now solemnly confess that it is your purpose to dedicate them to the Lord and to his service? I want to ask you today, will you pray with them and for them and instruct them faithfully in the doctrines of the Christian religion? Will you teach them to read the Word of God, to pray? Will you teach them to lead a holy life? Will you take them faithfully to the house of God, to attend its services? Will you do all that lies in you to bring them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior? This is my charge to you. In dedicating them to the Lord, we're basically saying, I release them to you, God. And we're saying to God, I'll do my best while they're on my watch 
This is your part to play. But there'll be a day, should the Lord tarry, where they will have to make a decision whether they will follow God. We have to help them, don't we? Pastors, I want you to go now and anoint these families. Anoint the children. And we're just going to lift them up to God. Church, would you help me and just stretch forth your hand, maybe your faith today, and help me. Their lives are in the balance. Sure, they're protected now. If anything should happen now, we know they would be in heaven. But what about someday? God, we anoint these children now. We lay our hands on them. We anoint mom and dad and the grandparents today, God. And we pray that you would have your way in these children's lives. We pray, God, that you would protect them from all harm. We pray your blessing on their life. And all, God, that you have intended them to be, let that happen. We bind the forces of darkness and evil. And we pray, Lord, that you would have your way in their lives. We dedicate now Jacob. We dedicate Victorious. We dedicate Elizabeth, and we dedicate Ezra in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We pray all of this now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, families. We are delighted to have you here today. We have a certificate, and we also have a gift for the children, so be sure and see Pastor Creighton for the certificate. See my wife over here for the gift for the baby. And God bless. Let's give these families one more round of applause, and God bless you to them. That just filled our stage nicely, didn't it? Beautiful. Let me just say one more thing. Pastor Moses is coming in a moment. He's going to preach the word, and I'm excited about the word that is going to come forth today. Amen. Pimo. I hardly call him anything else. I, I mean, strangers come in, and I say, go see Pimo, and they go, what? <laughs> That's just my, my buddy, my friend. Yeah, I love him so much. I want to say thank you to all who participated on last week. Uh, it was it was in, in so impactful and so powerful. We talked for weeks about saturation, saturating ourselves in God's word, in God's spirit, in prayer. And then we're praying and believing that God is going to saturate us. And so last week we flung open the doors and we did far more than that. We actually walked through the doors and our entire service last week was saturating our community. How many were able to participate in this great, great event? Would you like to do this again in the future? Wasn't it awesome? I think a switch was turned on in us, and um, we just went out. Our service, really, we came in and sang a, a few songs, and we prayed, but then we went out and did the work. We weren't just hearers of the word. We were doers of the word. And here's just a little uh, slideshow of all of the great things that happened last week. Watch this.
The hungry roam the streets, la 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 la. It's the broken around their knees, la 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 la. We keep singing, but just a song won't heal the bleeding wounds. Church, wake up, we're sleeping. Praise God. What a great day. It's been a pretty good service so far, huh? 
Yeah, God is in this place, man. He shows up for good service. We're going to jump into the word um, this morning. And um, the name of this message is called The Same Power. And um, if you're taking notes, that's what it's called. This morning, I'm going to share with you four declarations um, that I discovered in God's word, and I want to share them with you. And um, it's all going to lead up, it's all going to culminate in our fourth declaration as I share that a little bit later on. Um, but as I was thinking about and praying about what to share this morning, uh, there was a few things that sparked uh, my thoughts today in these declarations. But the first one was um, the travesty that happened in Libya where 21 Egyptian Christians were beheaded. Anybody heard this on the news? It's been all over social media and, um, you know, it's, it's getting um, out there and people are hearing about this. Um, but it reminded me, you know, of the seriousness of the battle that we're in. And um, just thinking about this and processing it, it reminded me that it's not a joke. It's not, um, it's not, we're not here for fun. But there is a real battle that's going on, and it's not against carnal weapons. It's not against uh, your neighbor or the person sitting next to you, but it's against the enemy. It's against spiritual things that we can't see with our natural eyes. And then I began to ask myself as I was thinking about that, I began to ask myself, is the church ready for this battle? Are they equipped with the weapons that God left for us? Are we walking in the spirit the way Jesus spoke about and the way Paul spoke about in God's word? That's the question. Are we ready? Are we truly ready for this battle? I began to ask myself the same questions. Am I walking in the spirit the way God designed for me to, to do it according to his word? <clears throat> Am I ready? Am I equipped? Am I truly walking in the power that God designed for me to walk in? And the second thing that sparked my message today was that I, got, I have the privilege of teaching um, for our district school of ministry, and I teach in Spanish. And I didn't realize how rusty my Spanish was until I started reading the Bible in Spanish and teaching in Spanish. But um, it's a great class. Romans was a powerful book. And, and uh, as I was walking through Paul's systematic approach to, you know, presenting the gospel to the church in Rome, I got to chapter 8. And uh, if you've read chapter 8, you know that it's, it's just dripping with goodness and um, the spirit. And there's so much good stuff in it. Today we were singing about Romans chapter 8, weren't we? Okay. Uh, there's so many good things. But I got to a verse and it just jumped out of the page. It jumped off the page as I was reading it. And I was asking God, God, what does this mean? Does this, does this apply for me today? Does this apply for the church And so I started asking some more questions, and I want to ask you today. Do you really believe all that is found in God's word? Maybe we say amen when the preacher says, do we agree with this passage? But really, when it comes to it, we don't strive to live it out. Another question, have we subconsciously written off some part of parts of God's word as something that maybe only other countries experience, or maybe the well-known evangelist can muster it up, or maybe just it's something that happened in the early church and it's not applicable today. Do we believe the songs that we sing on stage, right, on Sunday in worship? 
Or has it become something that maybe feels good but doesn't affect our lives? I was asking myself these questions, and, and I'm asking you to maybe open your mind today. Because I want to grasp truly what God's word says for his church and what he desires us to be. Maybe some of you may, may be here and you answer a great big no. You know, I believe this. I, you know, I believe that the word is true. But today I want to challenge you to assess your perspective and application of God's word. As we walk through these declarations this morning, I pray that we would live our lives the way that God designed for us. And not the way that our culture or a fad would dictate. I pray that our vision and our perspective would be changed to that of Christ. You guys with me on that? Would you guys say amen to that? That's okay, right? This isn't my opinion. If it was my opinion, then I, then I think you would have to come and you would have some words with me. But this is God's word that we're talking about. And my prayer is, God, my prayer for myself is, God, I want to I be all that you've called me to be. As a member of your body, as your church, God, I want to be equipped to the fullness of what you've left for me when you declared and you spoke to your disciples. I don't want to write off certain parts because maybe they're too big for me. But God, help me to embrace them today. Help me to change my vision to not one of this culture, but that I would, I would, have, I would see through your eyes. And my perspective would be through your words that you left for me. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And if, and if there's going to come change and revival and hearts are going to be changed, it's going to be through us. But we need to be ready and we need to be equipped with God's word and God's spirit living and moving in us. Amen. Declaration number one is Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 through 8. Let me read that to you. It's going to be here on the TV. It says, as you go, proclaim this message. And this is Jesus talking to his 12 disciples. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. I could just stop there. That verse is so powerful. I love that. I don't even hit that in my, in my notes. But freely you have received. How many have received freely today of God's grace so God calls us to freely give. He reminds us that at the end of this passage. It's not about us. We're no longer living as believers. We don't live for what I want, but we live for Christ and what he wants in us. We surrender our will. And so a couple of things jump out at this verse. The first one is the kingdom of heaven. We hear that several times in the gospels. But when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about this. He's talking about Christ, Jesus Christ. Coming into our world to reveal and demonstrate his ultimate power. His purposes and the way of life on earth and into eternity. I know that's pretty wordy. But it's Christ coming, the kingdom of heaven, into our world to demonstrate his ultimate power. His authority and his purposes. And way of life on earth and into eternity. The kingdom of heaven implies... God's involvement in the course of human events in order to accomplish his purposes and reveal his plans to his people. See, God desires to reveal his purposes and his plans to us. And once he does that, he wants us to spread that out, right? He wants us to go and share what he shared with us to others. 
That's what it talks about when it talks about the kingdom of heaven. It's God's purposes and plans coming down to us. So when Jesus says to his disciples, proclaim this message, he's saying to let people know that God desires to reveal his plans and purposes to them because it involves them. And it also involves salvation. Okay. Another passage, another portion. Can you bring that scripture up that it, um, we read here? It says the kingdom of heaven, go back to verse 7. The kingdom of heaven has come near. I've read that several times and, and I ask myself what that means. What does that mean? The kingdom of heaven has come near means that Christ's desire is that his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven and its power be brought near to his people. So when he says that the kingdom of heaven has come near, it's saying that the fullness of God and God's spirit has come to his people. And who are his people? Me and you. We are God's people. So the fullness of God's power has come near to his people. I want you to look at your neighbor. And I want you to say, yep, that's you too. That's you too. See, his fullness has come to the earth. When Jesus Christ came to this earth. Another thing that we see in this passage when we go to Matthew verse 8. Is that he calls us to preach the gospel, right? We check that off our list. Okay, done. I'm, I'm trying to do that. I'm praying about being a better witness. Pastor Moses, you know, I'm, I'm trying to share Christ with my friends, with my neighbors. You know, um, I'm, you know, he's using me to share my testimony. But then when we get, to, we get to verse 8 and it gets a little more complicated, doesn't it? Because this is what verse 8 says. He's talking about preaching the gospel. And then Jesus says, here's what I also want you to do, disciples. He says, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. We're like, oh, dang. I was good with the first part, but now Jesus is, he's asking a lot. As I read this passage, it makes it clear that the, the preaching of the kingdom of heaven is not only with words. Let me say that one more time. This passage to me makes it clear that preaching the kingdom of heaven is not only with words. But it is also with action and it is also with deeds. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. It's with words, but it's also with evidences of God's power. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20. It says, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but what? Power. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, power. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. I think it, you definitely need some words, right, when you're sharing. But it's, it's a matter of power as well. Sometimes we try to grab one hand, but we leave out the other one. And we say, I'm going to share words, but I'm, I'm not going to do all that power stuff because that's, that's not me. See, but what the Bible says, the Bible says contrary to that. It says that both go hand in hand. We speak, we preach the word, but power also follows us. Not because of my good looks or because of my hair or because of I'm from this family, but it's because God's spirit is in us. And it demonstrates his power. Another verse that I love in that same, uh, actually, uh, same book, but chapter 2 it says, verse 4 through 5, my message and my preaching, this is Paul again speaking, were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. 
so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. Could you just imagine if, if um, I mean, God is moving in our services, and it seems like, the, the you know, he's just turning up the, the flame. He's just turning up the fire. But could you imagine if we had signs and wonders every Sunday where people would come to this church because they knew that there was a demonstration of God's power. I believe that's going to happen in this place. But I believe that we need, to, we need to let ourselves go and trust God. This will happen not if the pastors are on board. This will happen not only if the board, the, the elders are on board. But this will happen if the church becomes the church that God created us to be. I believe signs and wonders and miracles were not just for the early church, but therefore today. That's what the word tells me. There was a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody heard of him? Yeah, he's, uh, he has devos and books and um, things that he, people even read today, believers even read today of him. But this guy was an awesome man. Let me tell you a little bit about Smith Wigglesworth up here. He's often referred to as the apostle of faith. He was the pioneer of the Pentecostal revival that occurred a century ago. <coughs> Without human refinement and education, he was able to tap into the infinite resources of God to bring grace to multitudes. Thousands came to Christian faith in his meetings. Hundreds were healed of serious, serious illnesses and diseases. One of the things that I loved, um, I, I recently bought a book. It's called God's Generals. Um, and it's a, good bi it's a book by Robert Leardson, I believe his name is. And um, he wrote about these generals of the faith. And these men like William J. Seymour, um, Smith Wigglesworth, and so on. Just these men that pioneered the way for Pentecost. And Pentecost, you know, the Pentecost movement in our nation. But it wasn't uh, Smith Wigglesworth would do something cool before uh, he would start his services. And this is one of the things he would do. Every sermon that Christ preached, this is Wigglesworth speaking, he said, was prefaced by a model, by a model miracle. And, and Wigglesworth would say, today we are going to follow his example. And so what he was saying is that, you know, when Christ, before Christ would preach a message, he would do miracles to his people. It was prefaced by a miracle. So Smith, he said, you know what, I'm going to just take God's word and I'm going to apply it literally. Can we do that? So he said, we're going to do that today. And the first person that stands up in this audience is going to get healed, whatever your sickness or disease. That's a pretty bold statement. That's a pretty bold, I, I, I don't even know if I can say something like that. But he would say, whoever stands up first, and then Pete, somebody would shoot up. And then every time it was recorded that that person would get healed and restored, and whatever the sickness was, God would touch them and heal them. See, but what I, what I love about it is that Wigglesworth, he said, you know what, I'm not going to just metaphorically believe what God said in his word. I'm going to actually apply it, and let's do it right now because it says it in his word. And people would get healed. It's been recorded that Smith Wigglesworth raised 23 people from the dead. <laughs> Anybody raise anybody from the dead? Just curious. Anybody in the balcony? <laughs> that's, that's pretty wild. But Jesus, when he, when he talks to his disciples, he says, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse the leper. See, because he knew that it wasn't them. 
but it was his spirit. God's, God's spirit, God's power has no limits, church. Do you know that? God's power does not have any limits. And so when we release it, I believe when we release it in our lives, over our lives, God can, can do anything. Right, Pastor? God can do anything. They asked Wigglesworth a question, and they asked, they said, Smith, you're a man of faith, of miracles. You raised people from the dead. You've cast out more demons than we've had hot dinners. Tell us, how long do you pray every day? Well, the apostle replied, I don't pray any longer than 20 minutes. What? His question was exclaimed. After pausing for effect. Smith Wigglesworth continued, yes, but I never go 20 minutes without praying. Wigglesworth exercised and extended his faith and experienced unbelievable movements of God in his lifetime. And let me tell you, that wasn't the early church. That was 100 years ago, a little bit more. That was in our era, okay. Declaration number two is found in Mark 16, 15 through 18. If you have it, you can turn there. It's going to be on the TV. He said to them, this is Jesus speaking before he ascended to heaven to his, to the disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. I love this passage, passage because it's so challenging to us. We're like, oh, I've never picked up a snake or drank poison. I, I love these difficult passages because we need to ask ourselves, what is, what is Jesus telling me through this passage? As followers of Christ, we carry God's authority and we have access to operate in his power. I looked up, I, I was interested, um, I believe in verse 17, if you could throw that up on the screen. And I was interested to see um, in the Greek, because I wanted to go to the original manuscript and find out what the author wanted to say by will accompany. You know, because I want to know what, what it means in the Greek, because that means I know what it means for me. And I looked it up in the Greek, and you know what will accompany means? It means will accompany. <laughs> It means will accompany. And the other question is, who's those who believe? Who do you think Jesus is talking about when he says those who believe? Are we believers? Yeah. It, it's talking about you and me. Those who believe. When you open your mouth to preach the gospel, will it, what will accompany you will be signs and wonders. It says these signs will accompany you. They will follow you. When you preach the gospel, when you, when you fulfill the calling on your life to share your faith with somebody else, these signs will follow you. So it's saying when we're obedient and we share our faith, then these signs and wonders will follow as well. That's what it's telling us, church. It's telling us that God's power will be with us. I, I imagine it like this, and this is my weird imagination, okay. Sometimes it helped me when I, when I visualize something, it helps me understand it in God's word. And I imagine it like a plumber, okay. And um, 
Just imagine for a second that you have this huge plumbing emergency in your house. Some of you guys, you got plumbing skills. I don't have any plumbing skills. I get a plunger and I go to town, and if it doesn't work, I'm in trouble. Get Drano, I don't know. You know, so it, I can imagine myself in, in that boat. If I have a plumbing emergency and it go, it's beyond my scope of my plunger, I'm in trouble. I got to get on the phone. I got to call 1-800-PLUMBER. Get over here. Help me out. Some of you guys are good at that, so you probably figured it out yourself. But just imagine for me with, for a second. The plumber walks into your house and you say, oh, my goodness, thank you. I, I'm so glad that you're here because I got a plumbing emergency. There's water everywhere. My toilet is overflowing and there's things coming out of it that I can't even tell you what they are. You got to help me. Please. And the plumber looks at you and he says, don't worry. I have been trained in the plumbing emergency A to Z handbook. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad that you're trained, that you know what you're doing. Because, you know, there's water getting everywhere. My wife's going to come and see the mess and she's going to be mad. Please help me clean it up before she gets here. Don't worry, the plumber looks at me with all confidence. I've been trained by the top plumbers and teachers in the world, and I know exactly what I need to do. And you're like, okay, and you start to get a little worried. You're like, are, are you, you know, are you planning to help me? Are you gonna, are you gonna do something about this? Well, yes. He looks at you one more time and he says, don't worry, I have tools that might help. And also everything in my basic instructions for plumbing emergency manuals tells me exactly what to do. And he has a seat on your couch while water is squirting out everywhere. You guys see where I'm going with this? There are needs that we confront every day. There are people that have needs, that, that have need of salvation, that have need of healing. And, and I believe God has equipped us and given us the right tools to, to share uh, what he has given to us to them. But what we need to do is be obedient and step out and be used. You see, that can be the hard part, right? Uh, that can be the hard part because sometimes we, we say, I believe, and, and we believe all that we can say is in God's word. But when it comes to stepping out in obedience, sometimes we hold back. But see, I believe that the church that God designed was a church that when they see a need, they're moved by the need. And that regardless of what their skepticism or their rationalization says, they're going to step out and, and, and be used by God in faith. One of the things that I learned here by Pastor Steve is he says, you know what, I, I, I don't think about what the end result's going to be. And I'm paraphrasing this, but Pastor Steve has shared this with me. I don't think about what the end result will be. I just do what God told, told me to do. I just do what God called me to do, and I step out in faith and I do it. I don't worry about what happens after. That's God's, that's God worries about that. That's the Holy Spirit worries about that. But our job, church, is to take the tools that we have and step out. If you see somebody in your job, if you see somebody that needs prayer because they're sick, man, extend your hands out and pray for them. And believe and don't worry about the results. Sometimes we psych ourselves out and we, rational, we use rationalization and we say, oh, I'm not going to do this because this is not the right time or because it's not so-and-so. It's the right time. Step out in faith. You have the tools. Be used by God. This is for today. The last part of that verse says they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. There was a lady by the name of Catherine Coleman. Anybody heard of her? Catherine Coleman, yeah. She was a cool lady. She, uh, she died in 1972, so she's right around the corner from us, okay. She looks like this. I, I love 
her ministry. You know, I'm yelling here and screaming and spitting everywhere. Uh, but one of the things about Catherine Coleman, she would preach and use her words. Um, but there was times that you would go in her services, and um, it was just silence. Nobody was singing. Nobody was talking. Nobody was playing the organ. Catherine Coleman was on stage. She was just being quiet. And as, as people would come in, and I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people would come into her tent meetings. And during, in the silence and as people were focused on God, people would rise up because they would get healed and touched by God's presence. See, God used Catherine Coleman in the ministry of healing. There was no prayer cards, no invalid, invalid tents, no long lines of sick people. She would sometimes never even lay hands on anybody. People would get healed. She had a radio station that many believers listened to. And one of the lines, one of the opening lines that people anticipated was, hello there, she would say. And have you been waiting for me? And people would listen and anticipate all that she would say about healing and about her testimonies. She died on February 20th, 1976. And she wrote something on her tombstone. And Brother Brent Fry found it for me. Thank you, Brent. I don't know if you can read what it says, but it says, Catherine Coleman, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. <laughs> I love it. Catherine believed in signs and wonders, that miracles were for the church today. And that they were for anyone willing to pay the price. She would say that wherever she would go. The Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for anyone that's willing to pay the price. Declaration number three. Found in Isaiah 61, and we're just going to camp out at verse 1. It's also found in the Gospels uh, of Luke. You see that Jesus opened his scroll when he was in the synagogue, and he read this portion of Isaiah. But this is what it says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness. For the prisoners. How many are familiar with Isaiah 61? And you've read it before and quoted. Yeah, powerful scripture. This is God speaking over us, over his church. So much goodness in this verse. But verse 1 is what jumped out to me as I was putting this together. See, we are definitely part of God's plan. But we are way, way down the line of importance when it comes to his plan. Here's what I mean. Without God, without God, this plan of proclaiming good news to the poor and binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom, uh, won't succeed without him. Without God flowing and moving in our lives is what I'm trying to say. We won't be successful in proclaiming the good news. We need God's spirit. We need his anointing. See, it's not about you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about our strength, our abilities. It's, it's about allowing God's power to work through us. Look at, look at what it says here. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. You see that? Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. He has sent me out. See, it, it, Christ, it, 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 he's the crux of this verse. If he's not in our lives, then we can't do what this is calling us to do. We need Christ. We need God's spirit. We need his anointing in our lives. 
Here's another illustration for you. Maybe it might help you out. Maybe it might confuse you more, okay? I'm going for it anyway. I see it as a water hose. This is the way I see this, this verse here. And, you know, I've gone to Home Depot before, and, um, you know, my water hose would break. And, and I'm in, you know, there, and when it's like hose season in Home Depot, there's like hoses everywhere. I'm like, dang. And I'm looking, and I'm trying to figure out which hose to buy. And I'm like, I probably should get a good one because, you know, it would last me longer. So I'm reading the back of them and seeing, you know, why, why does this one cost $80 and this one costs $5? <laughs> you know, my instinct is buy the $5 one <laughs> because it's cheaper, save a couple bucks. And so after I, you know, I go and I usually buy the more inexpensive one. But I want to tell you today that, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of hose you have, what kind of hose you buy. If there is no water reservoir or existing water where that hose can pull from, nothing will come out of that hose. You see what I'm saying, church? That hose is fully dependent on its water source to fulfill its purpose as a hose. If you don't plug that hose into water, it doesn't matter how good looking that hose is. It doesn't matter how much you spend on that hose. You said, I got it online at hose.com and it was the best hose in the world. It doesn't, if you don't have any water to plug into, that hose is not going to do you any good. See, it's the same with Jesus Christ's spirit living in us. If we are not dependent on him, if he is not our source, then we are not going to be any good at proclaiming his word. At, at preaching and, and being the church that he called us to be. We need to plug into the source, turn the water on, and let Jesus just saturate. Saturate me. I see it another way, too. Can I give you another illustration? I see it this way. You know, um, on Wednesday afternoons, um, Pastor Dave, Mr. Mike, I'm sure there's uh, Jelani. I'm looking around trying to see other faces. We play a little basketball on Wednesday. And so we go to the park. And uh, for me, it's more just to try to stay in shape <laughs> than, you know, to, you know, be all, you know, Michael Jordan on the court because um, it's not going to happen. But, um, you know, we go there every Wednesday. We connect with the people there. We hang out. We have a good time. We play for an hour and a half, go home, take a shower. We come back to church on Wednesday. And, um, you know, there's some decent ball players out there. Uh, and there's some more than decent ball players out there. There's different levels of people balling. Um, but, you know, just imagine for a second if me and Mike, Mr. Mike, or me and Pastor Dave, you know, we got to the court, Pastor Dave and I, and we're like, listen, y'all, we're going to play everybody here two on two. You know, say there's like 50 people on the court playing ball. We're going to play everybody here two on two, and we're going to beat everybody. Right? That's, first of all, that's, you know, just crazy talk. And uh, second of all, we probably wouldn't last, you know, more than. But, you know, just imagine we did that. We would probably start, we might win a game or two, right, Pastor Dave? We might do all right. <laughs> But and then after a while, we'll get tired, we'll be sweating everywhere, we'll be, you know, my sugar will get low, I don't know. And, you know, we'll probably lose the game. But and then look at, look at my, uh, look at the other illustration. Just imagine for me, uh, if, if me and Shaquille O'Neal went to Central Park in, on the basketball court. And listen, I'm not talking about Shaquille O'Neal right now. You know, in the studio, he's a little out of shape. I'm talking about Shaquille O'Neal back in his prime. Anybody know who Shaquille O'Neal is? They call him Shaq. He can't shoot a, shoot a foul shot for anything, but he can dunk. And, and when, he got on the, when he got in the paint, nobody could stop him. Because, you know, there were people that were taller than him, but he was so big in the paint that he would just back somebody up. And there was times that he dunked the ball so hard that the, the backboard broke, the glass shattered everywhere. And they had to stop the game and clean it up. 
Could you imagine if I went to Central Park and, and I said, me and Shaquille O'Neal in his prime are going to play everybody on the court. Guess what? We would win. Not because it was my ability and my skills, but it was because who was with me. You see what I'm saying, church? It's not about us, but it's who we have with us that matters, that counts. So let us not rely on ourselves. If you want to be the church that God has called you to be, don't rely on your strengths. Don't rely on, you know, your speaking abilities, but rely. Find a way to say, God, help me to rely on your power. Because it's not me, but it's who I have with me that will help me to be successful in being the church that God called me to be. That we would be moved by the needs of others, by the lost people around us. The last person I'm going to talk about today, you know, I, I was reading this book and I was reading all these generals, all these people that God used to pioneer movements. There was a lady by the name of uh, Maria or Mariah Woodworth Etter. Anybody ever heard of this lady? She was powerful, used by God. She would stand like this sometimes and she would be, a, she would be frozen in one place. There's pictures of her just like that. And uh, she would be preaching the gospel and all of a sudden she would just, and she would be frozen. And, you know, that captivated people. But while she was frozen, God was, you know, giving her visions and revealing stuff to her. But and then people in her congregation, while that happened, would become healed, would get delivered and restored. And people um, in her congregation, they were, you know, part of that service. And all of a sudden, they would get frozen. And they would stand like that for, uh, you know, two hours. Sometimes they said she stood like that for eight hours at one point. You know, God revealing, you know, just different things that we don't necessarily see in our church today. But God used her in this way. There was people in the fields that they would say, they were like just, you know, raking the leaves in the fields or picking corn or whatever. And all of a sudden they would be frozen like this. And they were like yards, hundreds of yards away because of God's power and his presence. And you know what she would say? They, they asked her, well, what, you know, what do you think about that? Isn't that kind of weird? And they're like, no. She's like, nope. I, I just, she's like, I let them go. And when they come to is when I, when I figure out what to do. Because when they, when they wake up, she says, when they come to, if, if what they say is, pull me out, pull me out, then I know that they need salvation because they just had a vision about hell and what their life could be. But if they say praise God, then I know that God was blessing them. See, Mary Woodworth Edder was used by God in powerful ways. Another lady was Amy Simple McPherson. Anybody heard of her? Yeah, she was used. She was the leader of the, uh, the founder of the Four Square Movement. But the guy I want to talk to you real quick about, I know time is, is ticking, William J. Seymour. Anybody heard of this guy? William J. Seymour was considered the father of the Pentecostal movement. <coughs> he studied under um, Charles Parham, who taught him the truth about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. William J. Seymour was a son of a former slave who was blind. William was blind in one eye and had a disfigured face because of severe smallpox. But God used him powerfully. He moved to Los Angeles and started preaching in a church out there. But uh, because the message of, of Seymour was, was so radical about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people just rejected him and they kicked him out of the church and they locked him out. And so William kept preaching the gospel in Los Angeles, right down, right down the corner. And, um, and because he was um, infused and, and was filled with God's presence and wanted to preach, he started meeting in homes around Los Angeles. And people by the hundreds started flocking and coming in to hear his message. 
And so they had to open up uh, this building in Los Angeles, and they opened up um, a building at 312 Azusa Street, Los Angeles, okay, downtown Los Angeles. And um, one of the articles that I pulled here stood out to me, and there was two events that happened on April 18th, 1906. Okay, if you were in first service, thank you, Trotter. Where's he at? Are you here? Okay, he answered the question in, in first service. But if you were in first service, don't answer. But there was two events that happened this day. Let me share the first one with you. April 18th, 1906. It was recorded on the front page of the Los Angeles Daily News the morning of April 18th, 1906, which read, Weird babble of tongues heard from a new sect of fanatic breaking fanatics breaking loose at a former livery stable at 312 Azusa Street, downtown Los Angeles. The reporter described a mixed congregation of blacks and whites, which at that time was in itself newsworthy, that began howling and swaying in such frenzy that no one could understand their utterances. Screams of repent were the only audible words that could be heard from the Azusa Street revival. There was a revival that came and shook our nation, and it happened right down the street. It shook the foundations of Los Angeles. Let me tell you the second event that happened that same day. The second shock that April 18, 1906 happened at 5 a.m. when a horrendous earthquake hit San Francisco, California. The shock waves were felt from Los Angeles to Oregon to the Pacific Ocean. There was destruction, death, and desolation. There were two more earthquakes in Los Angeles just before noon, causing more panic and uncertainty. There was this Azusa Street revival on that same day. In that same day, there was an earthquake. I'm not telling you that those two things were connected. I'm not God. I'll ask him when I get to heaven if they were. But I want to think that they were connected. Because there was that revival shook the foundations of the church. And it changed their perspective on how they were living. Do you see what I'm saying? During that time, Los Angeles maybe didn't really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But because God's power was allowed to be loosed, their perspective was changed. People began to get healed and signs and wonders happened. Miracles happened that changed people's lives forever. And I didn't share this first service, but I think um, Church of God was born out of that revival. Right? Um, Christian Missionary Alliance came out of that revival, out of that Azusa Street in 1906. And you know that the Assemblies of God, our, our very own uh, denomination, was born from that revival. Do you see our roots? Our roots are, come from the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we come from, church. I want to share my last declaration. If the, if the band team could come up. Declaration number four, Romans 8, 11 says this. And here's the culmination of, of everything, all my thoughts and what I found in God's word. This hit me in the face when I read it. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit. Who lives in you? Are you guys following me? Do you? The question is right now that we need to ask ourselves: Do we believe what God says in His Word? Do we believe all that He says? Do you see what this verse is saying? It, it's it's a shocker, but it's saying that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead 
lives in each and every one of us. See, I believe there's more for his church. Church, I believe there's more in store for you. You haven't hit a wall in your spiritual life, but God, God wants you to tear down that wall. And he wants you to seek his face, church. There's more. There's more. Man, that we would be the church that Christ created us to be. That we would be the church that when we see a need or when we see something that causes us pain or, or that moves us in our spirit, that we would step out in faith and be used by God, regardless of what the results are. That's not up to us. The results are up to Christ. Your job is to step out and be used by God in your jobs, with your family members, life group leaders. Be Step out and be used by God in your ministry. Ministry leaders here in church, with those that are under you, step out and be used by God like never before. Don't worry about the results, but just step out. I love John chapter 14. And it's Jesus closing this, and this is my last verse that I'm reading. But he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So what's our response today, church? Do we believe what's written in, in the word, or do we not? Do we believe that the fullness of God's power is for the church today? Do we believe that signs and wonders accompany believers as we evangelize and declare the kingdom of heaven? I say that we would pray and say, God, give us a childlike faith. God, that we would shake off all the stuff that is not of you, that maybe I learned that is, that is incorrect. God, that I would have a childlike faith and believe what you told me in your word. I want to pray for you today. I know it's 1220, um, but I want to pray for you. If, if you feel this morning, and you say, you know, Pastor Moses, Pimo, I want to preach the gospel. And I want signs and wonders to follow. I want to be obedient to be used in signs and wonders. If you say, Pastor Moses, I have, I'm ha I have a hard time with certain scriptures, but I, I want you to pray for me that I would embrace, fully embrace his word. I want to grab a hold of all that God has for me. I want you to, you know what, I want you to just stand up where you are. I want you to stand up where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the same power, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you and lives in me. The same love that conquered the earth lives in me. Come on and throw your hands in the air, church, all across this building. I believe God is going to fill you today with his power. I believe God is going to fill you with his presence. God, I pray over every person with their hands lifted this afternoon, God, I pray that you would fill them with the fullness of your power, God. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see things the way you created them, God, and not the way men created, God. I pray that you would use us, God, regardless of the results, to step out in faith and be used 
to do what you called us to do. Hallelujah. Come on and just worship him today and say, God, wash my eyes. Clean my eyes, God, that I would see things through your eyes and not mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit of God, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill every life in this place. We pray that the fullness and the power of your Holy Spirit would come and fill every area of our lives right now, oh God. I pray, God, that no longer would this church be a church, Lord God, Lord God, that maybe is intimidated by certain passages, God but that we would embrace the fullness of your word. Spirit of God, fill every life right now. Holy Spirit, we pray, God, that you would fill our hearts, fill our minds with your presence. Father, we pray that you would get rid of everything that is not of you, every false teaching, Lord God. Father, every, Lord God, doubt, every worry or unbelief, God, would be gone. And in the place of that, you would fill us with the power of your spirit. Have your way in this church, oh God, we pray. As we walk out of, the door, as the, out of these doors, God, that we would be like an army walking out into our battlefield, God. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. And give us faith to step out and obey. Father, we ask you this today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Same power is in me, is in me. Your love that conquered the earth lives in me, lives in me. 
forget about the soup off in the friendship room everyone you got to have lunch anyway have it in the in the friendship room today god bless